welcome to The Power of Rhythm, a podcast with your host, Reinhard Flatischler, founder of Mega Drums, Takatina Symphonic, and a worldwide network of groundbreaking rhythm training. This podcast will offer you an incredible diversity of voices around the one thing that connects us all. Rhythm. So welcome to the fifth episode of my podcast, in which we will be focusing on the rhythm of our physiology. Together with my guest, I will explore how the stimulation of the vagus nerve can counteract the tsunami of depression that's constantly rising. My guest is a physician, gynecologist who works primarily in the field of chronomedicine. He is the founder and CEO of Autonome Health, a leading platform for decoding heart rate variability, helping countless people to live a healthier life. Welcome, Alfred Loninger. Welcome, everybody. Welcome, Reinhard. Uh, thanks for being here. Well, thank you for coming in my studio all together and uh, joining the podcast. So today, I think I look for a very interesting episode because we're not just talking about the rhythm of music. We are talking about the rhythm of our body, the rhythm of our physiology. And I think we are right in time right now because as politicians obviously considering to send us in yet another lockdown, mental and physical health becomes, really becomes super important. And so now already we are facing a tsunami of depression and the suicide rates are rising by the day. So I hope today that we can give the listeners some information of how to stay strong, healthy, energetic. And you started as a gynecologist. So how did you find your way into chronomedicine and into all of this heart rate variability stuff that you are now doing? Oh, that's uh, that's a story because uh, it didn't fit from the beginning, and uh, the way was um, a very curious one. The first touch indirectly was, uh, as I also studied uh, tri traditional Chinese medicine, because that's a, a very um, fine technique for lifestyle medicine. And in Chinese medicine, diagnostics runs in a very more distinctive way that we do it uh, with blood samples and x-rays and such things in Chinese medicine a few thousand years ago. They had to ask much more. They had to see much more. They had to smell much more about their patients and one technique, a fantastic one, is the pulse diagnostics. We have 28 qualities of different pulses. And one thing was that 
when the pulse is becoming totally regularly without any variability between its beats. It's uh, written in the textbook of pulse diagnostics, which was written in the third century after Christ, uh, that when the heartbeat of a patient is as regular as the tapping of the woodpecker on the tree or the rain uh, dropping on the roof, then the patient will die very soon. It is translated often as die within four days, uh, but could be a misunderstanding in translation because uh, in Chinese, you know, it's always how you spell it and bad and four sounds pretty equal. Anyway, Wang Shuho wrote this in, in uh, this textbook. That was the first approach to that. And then came something very interesting. I was uh, responsible for uh, for uh, well-being and tourism medicine uh, in Austria and upcoming new diagnostics uh, were interesting and one was heart rate variability. And then I got to know that the principle of heart rate variability is what I have done for so many years because every birth uh, is monitored uh, with the cardiotocogram by the CTG and that watches the pulse of the unborn. And when it's variable, then the baby is okay. And so uh, it, it, it became uh, going together what I've learned in traditional Chinese medicine and what's coming up now because it's not only for the unborns, it's a phenomenon that stays until your last breath in your life. And that was flashing me. And, and then I started to go on with that and uh, to establish this also for not only babies, but also for grown-ups. Now, it's very interesting. When I heard the first time how irregular a heartbeat actually is a healthy heartbeat, I was really stunned. And I have a recording here where the heartbeat is kind of sped up a little bit so you can see how irregular it actually is. So there's a lot of variability in it. And I came across that the term heart rate variability is not known to many people. When I talk, they say, what is that? So maybe here is the right person <laughs> to explain to us what exactly means heart rate variability. Oh, thank you very much for that uh, question because that's that's the basics and <clears throat> let's start is, there's a difference between uh, the, the, the pulse and the heart rate pulse is when we touch the pulse of a patient and uh, we count it for 10 20 or 30 seconds and then uh, we take it times three two or 
four times, and then we have the average pulse rate, the frequency over one minute. And if we would measure, and we do that, from one beat to the other, or more exactly from one R peak in the ECG to the other, because uh, that has to be uh, counted for a thousand times per, per second to be exactly. And that difference in milliseconds is a heart rate. If you take it 60,000 divided through 1,000 milliseconds, then you have a heart rate of 60 beats per minute. So it's the pulse from beat to beat, so to say. And the variance, the variability, the difference from one beat to the other and to other and to all of them is heart rate variability. And when it's variable, it's a natural healthy function of the heart. And that's just the sign of adaptability. We are anticipative, adaptive, organizing, self-organizing beings. And as a sign of this, heart rate variability is one of so many rhythms we have in us. And it's the one you can detect so easily. That's the clue. And you know, it's like in nature, all the rhythms also have quite a flexibility. What I didn't understand, and maybe you can explain this to our listeners, you said something about a K uh, peak or so, maybe uh, make, break this down to, um, to understandable terms. I see, I see. Uh, everybody knows the ECG waves. Uh, and that's from, from the electricity of, of the muscles of the heart because uh, the, the heart muscle uh, is an astonishing uh, cell in nature. It's as well uh, a, um, as a um, nerve cell. It can produce and bring along uh, nerve impulses and it is as well as a muscle cell because it can contract itself, every cell of the heart muscle. And for pumping, uh, it has to be uh, um, electricity deloaded. Uh, um, and uh, that electricity we measure with the ECG. And uh, the most muscles are in the, in the ventricles of uh, the heart. And therefore, the electricity is the highest, and that's the R peak. We mm -hmm. have the PQRST, like in the alphabet, and R is the peak. Everybody knows uh, when he sees an ECG in the, in the films going up, and, and that's the peak, and from peak to peak we measure. And what is the ECG different than cardiogram, like EK, EKG? ECG is electrocardiogram, yeah. Oh, oh okay. It's the same, yeah. Okay, so I think everyone knows that that curve, yes. Now, what I learned in our collaboration, and we'll talk about this a little later, is there are special moments that are called vagal tonal states. And what is this in this sequence of variability? What is a vagal tonal state? Um... First of all, all rhythms 
are reflected in the rhythm of the heart. And it's influenced by all of us and two parts of our autonomous nervous system, our vegetative nervous system. That's the unconscious regulated one because it's too important to be fault by our uh, cognitive system. It runs by itself. It makes us uh, stay alive. It makes uh, our, our, all our organs uh, work properly. And there are two parts. The one is the sympathetic nervous tone. That's for flight or flight. That's uh, when we are fighting, running away, working, seeking our challenges. And it's important that we have that. Is that that brings our heart rate up? That brings our heart rate up. That makes uh, us... Uh, Uh, our the perfusion of our muscles getting higher makes our pupils wide so that we can see better during the night. All we need to fight. And then the other and, composant, uh, component. And, and the, the co-player, they're never playing against, they're always playing together like, like perfect midfield players in soccer maybe. And that's the parasympathetic tone or vagal tone because the nervous vagus is called because it's uh, vagabonding through the whole body from the from the brain down uh, to uh, our our gut and that makes us recreate that makes our self healing processes that's for our energy production it's for well-being and there is something a very special finding in that vagal tone. Um, and I'd like to tell a story about that so everybody can, okay. can follow what's, what's, what's the reason for that. Um, Kevin Tracy is a, a neurosurgeon in the States and um, he uh, made a surgery in the brain of a child and it was everything okay and the child was left home and then it died. And, and Kevin was, was very sad and angry about that and said, oh, it was inflammation and again and sepsis and, and still so many people die from inflammation and every process for disease starts with inflammation. Isn't there any molecule that would diminish that inflammation? And then he spent more time in the laboratory than in the uh, operation uh, surgery room and he found a molecule that really on, on molecular uh, ground and basics um, lowers the uh, uh, progression of, of inflammatory promoting uh, transmitters mm -hmm. and hires that ones who uh, diminish that. And that molecule is acetylcholine and that's the neurotransmitter of the nervous vagus. Can you say the term again? Acetylcholine. 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 Yeah. Acetylcholine. And the bad thing is that there is also acetylcholine esterases, and that stops uh, acetylcholine within one second or less because it's uh, necessary if. There is a crash outside and we have to run away and we have to fly it, then mm -hmm. we do not need the vagal tone. Mm -hmm, yeah. 
And I heard from a friend of you, Dr. Logica, that there is no way you can substitute to the body acetylcholine from outside. It can only be triggered by some practice. Is that right? Yes, that's the point. Because uh, the esterases uh, always is going to stop it. And if you would uh, try to take it uh, with, with tablets or with an infusion, it wouldn't work. So you have to produce it by yourself okay. all the time. By the way, uh, this, this paper was was published in Nature, so it's an um, absolute highest level of, of, of uh, research. And uh, the problem or the chance is you have it in your hands. Mm -hmm. And the message is uh, it is always breathing. It is produced between inhale and exhale and especially in exhaling. So if you going to get rid of something if you can exhale then you enhance your vagal tone and as you said before depression and i know from our friends in the states it's going up to 40 percent of people are now suffering from depression if you're depressed if you're fear if you're of pain you can't breathe properly so everything that helps you being in a comfort, everything that brings you to a state of well-being makes you breathe. And that's, that's one of uh, the treasures of music, of course, that can help people starting to breathe again. Right. Now here comes the layman, me. Asking you some question comes out of what I hear from you. Um, there's obviously this orchestration between the sympathetic and the parasympathetic nervous system. So what's the, uh, the co-player of the vagus nerve? What would be the it's the, it's the sympathetic uh, nerve and they're all playing together because mm -hmm. if you're if you are in, in in a good state of, of health if you're in a flow and you're curious about what you're doing you need uh, very few energy and you bring a lot of performance and that's not just uh, caused by the sympathetic tone it's when you breathe to it well and as as i have heard from a musician, I think it was you, everybody, even the drummer, uh, breathes and sings what he's doing. And it's always combined with breathing. And when you breathe properly and when the rhythms are synchronized, then you have the highest performance with lowest energy input. And therefore, sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous system are working together. We are we are planned very very clever, and it would be absolutely uh, crazy to think of either or. It's mm. always as well as. Yeah, of course. But I have still this question. We are talking about the stimulation of the vagus nerve, right? So, do we have to stimulate both, or is one more difficult to stimulate in the, like say the uh, sympathetic runs on its own, or the, how would you say that? Well, we are very much influenced by our uh, sensory system. Uh, 
and what we what we hear and what we smell and what we see is often much more than what we are touched in. And uh, what we hear, what we see, and what's percepted in our brain enhances the sympathetic system. Okay. So we have stress, we have fear, we have um, a side of future that isn't comfortable. And that enhances the sympathetic system and we are not used to it. In, 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 in ancient times, there was, there was really uh, danger out there uh, calling for our lives. Uh, it's now the permanent alertness over the day, the week, the months. Mm -hmm. And then uh, we uh, have to uh, use much, too much energy and the vagus goes away because we can't breathe properly. The sympathetic tone is enhanced all the time, but the batteries are getting lower and therefore we're running out of energy and uh, we become ill. And don't forget, if the vagus nerve is, is withdrawing, uh, inflammation starts and inflammation, we call it silent inflammation that does not make any pain uh, or, or um, um, fever or something like that. That's the basic, that's the milieu that's changed and that's the basic for, for any disease. And that's always just the question of imbalance between those both. Well, you know, this is a very, very new and very deep explanation. So the sympathetic uh, component is constantly anyway stimulated, so we need to contract by stimulating the vagus nerves that they both can work together properly. And, and one thing else, uh, it works like this. Sympathetic tone is, is necessary, we have to do it, we love it, because that makes us um, successful if we work. But usually after tension follows the relaxation, actio, reactio. And we do not go to relaxation. If we would, it's just like that. Uh, you have stress. Actually, you would like to fight or flight, but you never do. You stay in stress and make plans how to get rid of the stress. If you would just run on the stand for 20 seconds, make a break and do it five times, then your system gets the information, oh, now I'm the hero. I've beaten, I've beaten him, yeah? and now it's all okay. And you can relax. You really can lose your tension and you lie down and you relax. And if you then would start breathing deeply, you also would stimulate your vagus. And that's what it is. That's very interesting because we are working with trauma patients in various clinics. And to, for them to sit still is a nightmare stimulating the sympathetic nervous system to like frenzy. And once they get into Takatina, with moving and then having to fall out, which is all this kind of thing, then they settle down and all of a sudden they feel much calmer and can talk and all of that makes a lot of sense. Now I have a couple of more questions about your personal life. 
But before we do this, I brought also a very unusual recording where you can see this is flexibility and variability in music. It's from China and Korea. It came from the Taoist tradition. And it's called Munmyo Jeryak, where a gong um, player and a jade uh, plate player are playing one tune. And you would expect them to be right together and right together. But as you can hear, they are never really right together. And so that sounds like this. Flexibility in music. I recorded this in the 70s in a ceremony in Seoul. So great. <laughs> uh, what's coming up to me when I hear this is um, there is there is space for, for flexibility, for reaction. It's not rigid, but it's also not chaotic. So it's yeah. in between, and therefore you have the possibility to go, and that's what we should be able to do to start fighting or to start sleeping mm -hmm. and who can do this on a command but you can be trained to that if if you are in a good state of variability just lie in the bed and be gone yeah now at this point i'm really curious um, who have been the main players who have given you impulses in your past as a chronophysician and, you know, with autonomous health. Who have been some of those people? Well, my first teacher was Professor Moser from, from Graz. He's a chronobiologist and he started uh, with hardware variability in Austria as some kind of a nucleus of this, of this research and, and his colleagues. And uh, on my way, I have to say not because you were sitting here, but uh, it was you, it was, it was Klaus Latzika, uh, who taught me so many, so wonderful things about music. I'm no musician, but then I got to know what's, what's the principles of music and these are the principles of hardware variability. It's not the notes, it's what's in between the notes. It's not the R peaks like uh, for the cardiologists. It's the time between uh, those, those peaks and that's the space and uh, that makes uh, us beautiful and the transformation of 100,000 heartbeats into a, a color uh, spectrogram as we do it and we call it live fire. Uh, it looks wonderful if there is a healthy uh, young man or woman 
being in love. And uh, it's like a piece of music, uh, which is, which is wonderful. It's, you can play it, uh, rigged or you can play it variable. Yes. And our aim is, uh, or at least my aim is also to bring the people who coming into the age into the young, uh, you know, um, impulses back, like bringing the whole vitality back. And you have actually created a belt that you can simply put around your chest and it measures 24-7 for a long, long time. Now, I'm very curious, how can this chest belt Give you information about um, your phys your physiological age, uh, your chances of being close to uh, overload, or you know. So how is this working? Well, it's it's like like everything, not not rocket science. The background is that heart um, variability is uh, depending on age and sex. It's not like uh, most of our results in medical diagnostics uh, where it's uh, the same if you're a 20-year-old man or an 80-year-old woman. Um, so how to develop variability uh, is becoming less with, with aging. But if you're functioning like a young one, and like Picasso said, it takes a long time to become young. Everybody has the chance to do so. Mm. If you're going through your life like a young one, you have a better function and therefore you have a lowered biological age. And to know about if you are now in tension or sleep very good or if you are in flow even, that's just physiology. For example... When you have a low heart rate and when you breathe regularly, uh, you have a low pulse and you have a high vagal tonus. And if you're physically relaxed, you have less of power in the we call very low frequency because that reflects your perfusion of the muscles. And that's all physiology. And you can combine physiology with mathematics and bring it into algorithms. And we have uh, clever computers. And then uh, the, the machine tells you how you are now. <laughs> well, I had a first-hand experience because I used the belt quite a lot and I'm still using it. And it's a very beautiful feedback of um, what's your physiological age, if you sleep well, if you are close to a, a kind of overwhelming situation. And right now in this podcast, I think we should give our listeners two, I can give them two things and hope you give them two, two more or three more. Like from our discussion, I now understand why running is so important for depressed people because it, you know, kind of acts out that uh, flight or fight uh, thing and everything calms down and stimulates the parasympathetic nervous system. And then the second one I uh, have quite frequently in my life in two ways. One is Takatina which of course 
you are singing and you're coming naturally in a rhythm of breath. But then I also do a lot of pranayama. And, you know, pranayama might be a little bit far-fetched for many people, which is just, you know, a simple form of pranayama is you inhale four counts, you hold four counts, you exhale four counts, and you hold four counts. And you can make it three counts or six counts, whatever is good for you. But it's that kind of box breathing that also the Navy SEALs use and other high performers use. But it can be as simple as just taking a deep breath. Imagine how the energy comes into you and then with the exhalation, you know, let go of all the thoughts, all the worries you have. And as you mentioned it, for a moment you hold in between, which then you said creates what exactly? It creates the space and it enhances your vagal tone. Inhaling mm. in, 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 in enhances the sympathetic tone and exhaling and the break between enhances the vagal tone. And it's uh, how learning how to live is uh, learning how to die. If you can get rid of things, then you have managed it. As long as you hold on things, nothing will come to you. As long as you have no more expectations, everything is coming. This is so amazing for me because that's now coming like a constant threat to all my podcasts. We're always coming back to emptiness. We're always coming back to space because, you know, the real emptiness is where the abundance of life is happening. So I would really encourage my listeners to just go out for two minutes in the open and take some deep breaths and see how that will regenerate you and kind of, you know, do this several times. And your worries might really just diminish quite a lot. Reinhard right, uh, reminds me of um, one, one thing one of my students uh, uh, once said, it is... Uh, uh, who, who was it from Swiss Ale Sutter, a, f a famous soccer player in former times, Bayern Munich. And uh, he said, just love it, change it, leave it, or just breathe. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> so now we both have together researched some of the Takatina exercise with heart rate variability and I want to ask you what do you remember from this research? Uh, it was the, the, it was very interesting in so many aspects but the, the really flashing one was uh, you always did uh, also combine it with videos and videography and the Tagadina process takes a relatively long time and uh, people always fall out and then they come in again and it was so impressive that uh, when you matched the coming in again how much the vagal tonus was enhanced then in, in this moment uh, and 
that uh, combination and that direct uh, influencing of the Vegas is, um, for me, afterwards, it appeared, because I have to tell one word, there are no secrets, but it's interesting. Uh, as we've learned uh, f also since the Nobel Prize for, for Medicine uh, was rewarded for chronomedicine in 2017, that not only heartbeat and breathing uh, and our metabolism and blinking and, and everything is organized rhythmically in us. Every process, even every cell works rhythmically and in its own rhythm, in a self-organized intrinsic rhythm. And so how can 60 up to 100 billion cells work together? How can an orchestra uh, of un unimaginable count of musicians play together? That, that it's not possible with one conductor. It's going by itself. It's mm -hmm. going by resonance. And that's the clue. And that's the same uh, what's happening with Takitina because it's going by itself, because it's a basic principle. And you have, you have only two rhythms within all those uncountable number of rhythms you can influence consciously. And that's breathing and that's moving. And if you combine breathing and moving, you are at yoga, at qigong, at all those very successful stuff we, mm. we got to know since thousands of years. And I have, to, I have to say it, I always say it also, if you're not there, Reinhard, but Takentina combines those both uh, rhythms uh, in a polyrhythmic way. And that's new, and that's for the one. On the one hand, it's it's so complicated, but on the other hand, if you let it go, it just happens, and that's great. <clears throat> it's amazing just what you say. If you would pick out one element of Takatina that's so effective, yes, it starts with the steps, and there's clapping, and there's chanting. This is not so uh, uncommon altogether, but this is a process that manages chaos and order and chaos and order phases again and again. And as you said, when they came back from the chaos phase, always the stimulation of the vagus nerve was there. Well, I hope we'll go to many more of the experiments. <laughs> and I thank you so much for this talk. This was very new information for me again, and I hope for my listeners as well. So, as we are now heading to the end of this episode, you can find Alfred Loninger at www.autonomehealth.com Just search for Autonome Health. You can also get this belt there that has helped me a real lot to kind of monitor what is the result of my living. Am I going the right way? Now also, if you like my podcast, please subscribe. Just go to powerofrhythm.com forward slash podcast. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram and Facebook. And of course, 
I hope to see you soon in the next episode with world famous mantra singer Deva Premal. Have a great day.